Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. The health and fitness industry is filled with people telling you what you need to do, what you should do, and what you mustn't do. In a culture that has strayed from health so much, sprinted away from it is a more apt description. We are always looking for answers. What if though, you already had a strong feeling about what was needed, what was healthy? I believe we all have this knowledge, this intuition, and my guest today feels the same way. In a Nomad Strength show first, I'll be interviewing someone whose real identity will remain anonymous. The writer behind the popular Instagram account, Flow Modus, has been writing on health and fitness for a few years now and does so in a way that makes you think and inspires you to make change. He and I have known each other for a while and through Instagram alone, and I was really excited to be able to speak with him face to face after so many digital conversations. Flow has a refreshing take on pursuing health, encouraging people to take matters into their own hands and listen exclusively to what their own personal anecdotes reveal. We have a great conversation about anonymity on social media, why men need competition and brotherhood in a high stress physical environment to realize their true potential. We're talking about dairy, raw dairy, eggs, liver, and sunlight before it was cool, and how to make daily changes in your life to pursue optimization. Enjoy this episode of the Nomad Strength Show with Flow Modus. Back to the Nomad Strength Show. I've joined today. Uh, this is this is a first. I have I have never been joined by someone who I I is going to remain anonymous with their real name. But you guys might know him from Instagram. Uh, his Instagram account is Flow Modus. Uh, one of my favorite anonymous accounts from the last couple of years. Uh, but I'm pumped to actually talk to you and speak in person after just spending so many so much time over the last couple of years just basically Instagram DMing, which I'm sure is your relationship with a lot of Instagram folks through that account is just through DMs. So it's cool to actually get to chat and talk to you in person, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. 
I want to start with, I actually want to start with the, the account and the anonymity thing, uh, because I remember it being a couple years now when that, when there seemed to be several and then it became a hundred and then it became kind of like the thing, like you were one of the very first ones that I remember. Uh, and so I'm curious as to why that was, why you wanted to pursue the account as you do and share great information about health and, and fitness, but remain anonymous. What was that motivation for you? I remember it that way as well. I remember being one of the first, but not that that really matters. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It was just kind of me. It was, it was more of a focus on my writing or, or, or the message that I was trying to, you know, mm-hmm. prevent instead of, you know, obviously I was posting pictures of, you know, my body and stuff, but Seeing anonymous for me, it was more just like I said, more focused on the work and and not kind of you know getting lost in the you know the the, the face thing. I don't I don't know. It's it, yeah. it was more about it was more about um, the work instead of the image. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, that that makes sense, and it allows yeah. people to actually see and read what you're doing and have it be mm-hmm. the source rather than mm-hmm. the person, which is kind of cool. Which is kind of cool, yeah. and so that was a it was a cool approach, and I'm and I'm always curious about all of the guys that run that run these accounts, especially some of the bigger ones now. I know that like in the in the Twitter world, there's all the the bow tied accounts that are all huge and all anonymous yeah. and stuff, and a lot of them are have I mean great information. So mm-hmm. was do you ever was it was there ever like a struggle with like I just show people at this point like <laughs> you know show my face because I had a couple friends that like finally reach that point where they're like, I'm just going to show myself and be that. Is yeah. there, was there ever that for you? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I go back and forth on it. Now it's more about protecting my job since gotcha. I am a, you know, a federal worker. Um, gotcha. Before it was just kind of following a, it was kind of following a niche that was there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of changed a little bit, but it was never, I don't know. It was never about like, uh, it was just about trying to keep my Instagram or, or my work away from image and, how I look because that's so much of what social media is. Mm-hmm. You know, people are so obsessed with how they look and, and, you know, it goes on and on. So I just try to keep it strictly work, strictly writing, strictly, you know, mm-hmm. a creative outlet that, um, you know, I could use for myself. And, and it's nice not having a face on there because, you know, my friends can see it and they're like, Oh, look at this. And they won't even know it's me. So it's cool. <laughs> Has that's that cool. happened where you've like been in conversations and guys are talking about your account, yeah. not knowing it's you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, I mean, I have, I have some tattoos that are, that are pretty, pretty, you know, identifiable, but you know, they'll, they'll send me a post and and I'm like, have you read this guy? This is awesome. Yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) The guy guy seems cool. Yeah. Oh dude, that's so funny. Uh, with the health and fitness stuff, I mean, the, the, the actual content you put out is very good from a health and fitness perspective. I want to know where, that fits into your story? Like, why is this the topic that you wanted to write about and cover? Where did the sure. health come become such a important piece for you? Yeah, so I went to school for nutrition and exercise physiology. So mm-hmm. I was a strength coach prior to being um, a firefighter. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it, strength and conditioning, nutrition, that's been a part of my life for as long as I can remember playing hockey. And you know, when I was when I was in high school, and that's always just been a part of my life. And it's just been ever evolving especially in the last whatever couple of years that I've had this account, it's been kind of, it, I, I started to pigeonhole myself with the nutrition and fitness um, content. And I kind of wanted to get out of that because, you know, there's, there's so many people preaching the same things that, that, you know, our kind of little sphere 
of um, influencers or whatever you want to call them are, you know, are preaching. So I kind of pigeonholed myself a little bit with that stuff, but it's important to me. Um, it's, it always will be important to me, you know, nutrition and obviously keeping good health is, is number one. It's a number one priority. It should be for anybody, especially, you know, people that rely on their bodies for work. So um, that's always been a keystone in my life and just trying to, trying to give that to other people, I think is super important. Have you done, um, was it the, like the team coaching? Like you said, yeah. you're a strength coach. So you did like teamwork kind of, kind yeah. of stuff that was yeah, the realm so, that you were in. Yeah. I worked, I worked all over. I did, I was a, um, clinical exercise physiologist working with, you know, clinical individuals who had heart disease or, or whatever, or had to, you know, get fit. Um, and then I worked like, I, I worked on opposite spectrums. I worked with, you know, professional athletes. I worked with, um, NHL athletes, NFL athletes. So I saw both sides of the spectrum and it wasn't, it was fun. It was a lot of fun, but it wasn't, it wasn't fulfilling like I thought it would be. Mm. So, and you know, turning a passion into a job is, it's kind of a, you know, it, you have to walk that line with it because it, you know, turning a passion into a job makes it, so it's, it, it makes it, it made it for me at least where I, you know, I stopped enjoying going to the gym. I stopped enjoying working out because it was a yeah. job. I was in the gym all day, every day. So I took a step back and then, you know, I can still do it with this account. I can still, you know, give that message with this account, but I don't need to necessarily work it as my job anymore. Is that why you do what you do now? Like fighting fires and stuff? Yeah. I think that's always been kind of a, I don't know. I feel like in any man, that's a, mm-hmm. you know, you, that's like a, an instinct. I don't know. I've always wanted to be one since I was a little kid. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I just decided after, I think it was COVID time, you yeah. know, I, I couldn't work because, you know, physical, physical fitness that's a that's a physical you know interaction so they were they were so big on you know social distancing and all that so gave me a lot of time to take a step back and think about what I wanted to do and whether I was fulfilled or not and I just you know I realized that I wasn't as happy as I thought I was doing what I was doing and you know may may as well take a chance and chase a dream and that's what I did so it just seemed at least wildland firefighting it seemed like it was such a a far reach of a job to Mm. get because I, you know, I didn't know a lot of people that were in the industry at the time, and I don't. It's like, how do you even get into that? You know. Right. So, I did my research, and I got, I got lucky first year, and here we are. And you're in a pretty gnarly part of the country with fires. So, I mean, I, I can't. You, you told me you were just coming out of fire season now, but yeah. I mean, yeah. like that's a bit. That's I mean, that's an area where you're probably pretty busy for a good chunk of time. Yeah, Southern California is. Uh, I mean, they're you know, it's no joke, but in especially when the fire season's busy. I mean, we had a slow season, quote, slow season, but we were right. still, we were still busy, you know? Um, it's, it's interesting. It's fun. It keeps it interesting, which is good. Yeah. And it's, it's funny that you, you have the approach of wanting to keep those, these two worlds separate because I had, um, he actually had done my, my programming for a while leading up to my first jujitsu competition last year. Uh, his name's, James, he runs the account Strongman Archaeology. Okay. Does a lot of old time strongman mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, stuff like bent presses and all of the old lifts that have like dudes' names that nobody knows what the lifts are, you know, right? That's awesome. um, and it was great. It was a, a super fun block, super fun block of programming. But uh, during the day, he works uh, like in janitorial services and stuff. Mm-hmm. And 
he, he and the reason he does it is because he says I need something that I can kind of mindlessly do during the day so I can put my mental energy into this thing that I love and sure. like coach people on the side and like train and explore all these other things but like kind of during the day I, I want to detach a little bit from that and yeah. I'm like that's I'd never considered it that way like where you can actually keep it its own thing and still have the passion for it to pursue it over on the side. I thought that was really cool. And then it's kind of seems like that's a similar boat that you're in. Yeah, for sure. I just, you know, following me for enough time now, you've seen that I go back and forth between social media, like having it and not having it. I just, a lot of the time for me, it's a distraction. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have my set passion and I have what I'm passionate about. And, you know, that's my career in firefighting. So that's number one to me. And, you know, trying to pursue that and get better professionally and personally is, is number one to me. So it's not so much that it's, I mean, yeah, it's separate worlds. Absolutely. Right. I don't, I don't include those together all that right. much. Like I don't, I don't talk about the, my account. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not like yeah. advertising it to people, but um, I think, I think that having a, a physical pursuit or having a, you know, a, a vocation that's a physical pursuit. I, I feel like there's not, there's not many jobs out there that give us the ability to actually be who we are as men. And mm-hmm. I think wildland firefighting and firefighting in general is one of those, it's like one of those last frontier jobs that yeah. kind of encompasses everything that it is to be a man. And that was another big draw to it for me because it gave me the ability to, you know, actually exist as a man and, and have utility to, you know, my crew or, or whoever it is that I'm serving on that day, which was super cool to me. And that was, I think that was what I was missing with strength and conditioning was that Mm. fulfillment purpose was like an actual purpose above myself. It wasn't just, you know, I would go into the gym, I would work with an athlete and then I'd I'd leave and then that's it. No, it's for me, firefighting is like, okay, well, it just encompasses everything that I'm so passionate about, right? It's hard, dirty work, long hours. I get to sleep in the dirt. We see the most beautiful parts of the country and we're also, you know, we're also working in, 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 playing our hand in land conservation and then you're with the team of your best friends and you guys you know you guys have each other's backs no matter what so i think it's it's pretty cool it's like a it's a tribal tribal thing that like i said not not many men get to experience and i think like i said that was number one for me the tribal aspect of it was actually where i was thinking that's probably on the more beneficial side of things especially in a in a pursuit that is inherently dangerous like there has to be a certain level of trust and communication and like bonding in order to be successful at that that like you said most men today don't have any semblance of that and uh but what you get from that is is amazing in terms of the benefits of having that closeness with those other men that are going through that that are you know another group of men that are like doing this dangerous thing together. You have to reach this level of closeness and camaraderie in order to be efficient and effective at your job. So like when when you're describing all this stuff, I'm imagining like I bet 90% of why this is so appealing and fun is that bonding and that closeness with those other men. Is that that accurate? Yeah. I mean you – at any time, you know, the job's obviously not always going to be fun. It's not always fun, you know, hiking our – gear and hose up a steep hill that you know you can barely get your footing on it's not fun but you look behind you or you look to the side of you and you see you know the however other however many other men that you have on your crew with you they're doing the same thing they're in the same you know they're struggling just like you are so it's kind of a it's a unifying thing it, it it doesn't hurt so bad when you look behind you and you see you know that's your brother behind you and you have you're not doing this for you right now you're doing this for him and you're doing it for the person ahead of you right you're carrying your own weight 
not for you, but for everybody else. So it definitely, it's definitely a cool feeling, a feeling that I haven't really felt before. Even playing team sports, growing up playing competitive hockey and all that mm-hmm. stuff, it's still nothing really compares to the the intermingling of you know the the danger aspect and then you know the the physical suffering aspect, the long hours, the dirty work, blah blah blah. I could continue to go on and on. Nothing really bonds you like the you know like the mix of those things together it's the same thing with military yeah right? i mean i don't have any experience with that but we have veterans on my crew and it's the same thing it's like they, they talk to their you know the people that they they were you know deployed with still right because nothing nothing breeds that bond like physical suffering and mm-hmm. doing the hard shit together and from a from just a physical standpoint in that occupation i imagine you get to see via yourself and with the guys that you're with, like really what is possible from a physical capacity standpoint in a job like that, that Mm -hmm. most people sadly won't realize that potential with how they live right now, which is probably feeds into the other part of like what you do with your account is like help you get to this point Mm -hmm. because what the human body is capable of is incredible when you realize that potential. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that's another thing with the team aspect. It's like I said, you're not doing it for you when we're hiking or even when we're doing, you know, our, our PT, when, it, when we're just training, it's the same thing that, that the amount of competition that there is between it's the, it's the best. I've never, I've never felt anything like it. You, you know, all the guys on my crew, they would rather die than lose. And I'm the same way. And it's great because we just push each other so hard. You know, you push you. You push yourself to what you think is the brink, right? What you think is the line that, oh, I've never crossed this line before. And then, you know, you get to the top of the, the hill or you get to the end of the run. And you're like, well, I, you know, I, I kept that there. I, 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 I even broke through that line a couple of times, right? It's cool to see what you're actually capable of when there's somebody there, you know, pushing you and, and telling you that you have more to give, which is, it's awesome. Where do you think, like, outside of, the, like, an occupation like yours, I mean, we, most people will, and most men just don't live that, right? I mean, they don't have that occupation. They have something which, you know, which is why we have to manufacture essentially this suffering via the gym in order to do that. But where do you think there can be some of that for just the average dude who has a normal, you know, nor I say normal, but just like has a job that's not what something is physically demanding or, or team oriented as yours? Yeah, I, you know, I think every man has it in him, right? It's it doesn't. You don't have to be a firefighter. You don't have to 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 be in a in a position that requires a physical pursuit that you know maybe I do or or somebody you know in my same profession has. It's it just it comes down to okay. Well, I mean, if someone sits at a desk all day, it comes down to well, you know, obviously we we all know that's not good sitting down all day, that's not good. So you're going to have to do something to correct that, or you're going to continue to just fall down this cascade of getting unhealthier and unhealthier as time goes on. Mm-hmm. I don't think it requires being in this profession or in a, you know, in a physical profession to do what we do. I think it just requires you as a man doing what comes innately to you. Honestly, I think, I think this, what we do comes innately to men. And I think it's starting to be, it, it's, it's getting phased out because we're, you know, we're so used to being comfortable. We, we don't need to work out. We don't need to hunt. We don't need to do anything physical. We can, we can go from one sedentary activity, working at a desk to coming home, sitting on the couch and stuffing our faces instead of, you know, 
finding something that's, I mean, it doesn't matter what, what kind of suffering you do, just finding, I think I, for me, I need to physically suffer at least once a day. Otherwise I go crazy. And I think that's Mm -hmm. another reason why we have such a, you know, epidemic of, you know, the mental health crisis among men. I think men just, I posted a quote, it was from Nietzsche. um, What's it? Uh, You know, I'm going to completely botch this, but it's, um, man, man, I think it's, it's whatever man's struggle turns internal when he doesn't have an outward war to face. Oh, right. Yeah. So we need to give ourselves that, you know, external struggle. Otherwise we go internal. And I, and I definitely felt this. I definitely know how it feels to not have a productive lifestyle or, you know, not, not feel fulfilled on a daily basis. You, you absolutely go internal. And I think, I think the physical pursuit, like we're talking about really shuts that off. And it can be a fairly minimal dose of it too, compared to what a lot of people would expect. Absolutely. Like, this doesn't mean you have to go out and like spend this multi hour, like half day thing and, and carve out this massive amount of time. Like you can get a crazy amount of very intense work done and have it be beneficial totally. in a, in a pretty reasonable amount of time and, yeah. and carry those benefits with you throughout the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where uh, a lot of people tend to, maybe get lost is they think it has to be this big grand yeah. flip 180 of my entire life on day Absolutely. one kind of thing. It's like, well, no, you can just do something for 30 minutes and yeah. sweat and, yeah. and feel what that actually, how good that feels. And then you'll want to do it again the next Agreed. day. Yeah, for sure. I think in our time that we live in now, everything has to be complicated. Yeah. It can't be a simple, it can't be a simple quick fit or a simple fix. Right, people are always looking for the more complicated answer because it gives them an excuse not to do it. Mm. I think, for me at least, I mean, keeping things simple. I mean, you know this as well. Keeping things simple is, it's the only way that it's the only way that I can get things done is keeping them simple. Otherwise, you complicate things and it just causes overthinking, and then you just over ruminate on the process, and then and then you're stuck. You know, you're you're just sitting there thinking about it instead of actually doing it. It if makes yeah, it makes ahead. me think too. I mean a lot of what you share from a health and fitness perspective. I mentioned that like you were one of the first ones that I remember in kind of the anonymous space, but also one of the ones that became prominent talking about like sunlight, raw eggs, raw. I mean like this whole kind of thing that's exploded now. And now there's like, you know, there was the the Tucker Carlson documentary (laughs) that was basically this whole thing. Right. Right. Uh, But it's been like a few years now that, you know, I, I've been doing this stuff for years. You've been talking about it for a long time, doing it for a long time. Like, where did you meet that head of like, cause coming from sports performance, that's not what is no. talked about. No. So like, where was that realization for you in the pursuit of health? Um, well, my, I mean, my education also told me not, Yeah. that's not it. Saturated fat is not, it's the enemy. Cholesterol right. is the enemy. The opposite message. The actually. opposite. I, so yes. The more I did the opposite of my education, the better I felt, the better I performed. And then, you know, I was getting blood tests done just to, you know, make sure that that's the the case. And it was absolutely the case. Like my mm-hmm. testosterone shot through the roof, everything, you know, my whatever, you know, all the LDL, VLDL, HDL, all those, you know, the, the um, lipids, the blood lipids, those all stayed great. My HDL shot up, which is awesome. That's what you want. Um, and all the, you know, the bad, whatever, lipid. Uh, the bad lipids, you know, they stayed, they stayed normal and maybe even dropped. So I was just, I was seeing how I felt 
I was seeing how I was performing in the gym. Um, and then I was also experimenting because that's what I love to do with myself is, you know, I love being a guinea pig and I love putting myself through these processes and, you know, seeing what works best and what doesn't. And I, I was, you know, I, I did the typical bodybuilding diet when I was, you know, first started training and that doesn't, that doesn't, it doesn't work for me. And I know it doesn't work for most men. Yeah. Right. Um, just seeing how I felt. That's, that's enough for me. I don't need any scientific evidence to tell me, you know, how to live my life. If I feel good doing something, I'm Mm going to continue to do it. And if it's, and if it's going to continue to be, um, you know, if it's going to show in blood work or if it's going to show, however it shows up in my life, that's, you know, it's working, then I'm going to continue to do it. These, I don't need scientific evidence to tell me that. And, And I think that's another issue with, you know, our access to information, um, People are so – they need material evidence for something. Like I, I, I get it all the time. You know, what's your where, – where's the source? What's your source? What's the scientific evidence that proves this? <laughs> I don't – you know, and I, I just say it's like you don't need you don't need a source. You don't need scientific evidence to prove that something works anecdotally mm-hmm. for you. If it works, if your anecdote proves true, then it's great. That's all you need. But yeah. – People need, I think people, people look need for that. I think I think they look for that as the reason not to do something, rather sure. than the reason to do something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're not they're not looking for it as I need this uh, information because I, I'm interested in this. They're looking at it like I'm gonna try to stay away from this, and I need this source to validate what I already think yeah. about it. The confirmation bias is yeah. so real, and you can find that you can find confirmation bias in anything that you want. Like, yep. A study that proves something correct, you can also find confirmation bias that proves it incorrect. It just, that's why I stay away. I tend to just stay away from that, you know, the the scientific evidence or it's one show of my me favorite, the evidence style people. It's one of my favorite posts I think you've done was like the, like the, the lifted being like yeah. thing and it says like, what's your source? And it just says, I made it up. It's <laughs> like, the best. It's my favorite one. It just, it makes people so mad too. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, obviously I'm not out to make people angry, but right. if someone's going to, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. People, people are, they want to, the, the, the issue is people want to be told. Mm-hmm what's true and what's not. People yeah. want to be told what to do instead of finding it out for themselves. That's, so this, that's, yeah. that's the issue. And this is going to sound like a really funny question on the heels of that conversation because mm-hmm. I don't mean to ask what's your source, right? But as you were beginning this process mm-hmm. of like making this like, you know, dietary switch and all this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. were you reading anybody that had like some influence on this? Like, hey, I've tried this. Uh, maybe this will help for you, or was it very just intrinsically experimental on your part? I definitely, you know, Solbra, obviously, yeah, like, he was one of the he was one of the first guys. He was one, one of the, the first people first. in this sphere, yeah. and he was also pushing that. And you know, I decided, you know, seeing that, and then I, it's just kind of like an intuitive thing. Yes, it just makes it just makes sense. It makes sense to me to to eat more meat, more cholesterol, more saturated fat, more eggs, more milk, whatever, more butter. It just makes sense. Um, and especially at that time I was living in Washington, so it was cold and, you know, that just, it, again, it just goes hand in hand. The cold weather goes hand in hand with, you know, more fat and more wholesome filling, fulfilling foods or, you know, however you want to say that. And it just, it just felt right. And I continued to do it. And like I said, I just continued to feel better and better. And and that's just how it worked. Have things continued. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Nothing. I mean, I wasn't like reading anything specific. Um, 
I have a Pedro D. Amaral. Um, he's, I don't know, uh, Thucydides oh, okay. on Instagram. He's a big influence on me. Okay. Um, he's, he's a great guy and he's the smartest person I know. And, you know, he just confirms everything that, um, that's, you know, that's, I feel is innately true about the diet that I consume. Mm-hmm. He can, conf- he confirms it with science. So he's a, he's an awesome, awesome source for me. Um, and he's, like I said, the smartest guy I know. So what is it at this point for you? What does it look like? How, how has it evolved even since that you started making those changes to, mm-hmm. to where you are now? What is it? What is kind of your normal? I mean, are you really, I doubt you're tracking stuff. Yeah. You're, no a lot tracking. Of it's intuitive, but a lot of it's intuitive. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot of it's just meats, eggs, dairy. And, yeah. and that's about it. Like what? Yeah. Else? Carbohydrate sources. It's typically white rice or, yeah. or quinoa. I like stuff. quinoa a lot. Um, like the, the ancient green stuff, you know, Pedro has mm-hmm. kind of led me into that stuff. A lot of herbs, um, a lot of sulfur containing vegetables like red onions, garlic, mm. um, a lot of uh, cruciferous vegetables like broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, things like that. Just things that like everybody would assume are healthy foods. Like exactly. and this is like the whole conversation. I, I used to make the example like I could walk in because my wife is uh, works at elementary school. Mm-hmm. And like I could go into like pretty much any first grade classroom, maybe not anymore, but you know, with everything lately with how health recommendations have been. But uh, you know, for most of even our time together, I could go into one of her classrooms in her school and be like, "Hey kids, what's a what do you think you need to eat to be healthy? Like, what are healthy foods?" And pretty much, you know, ninety percent of them would be like, "Uh, vegetables, meats." eggs uh-huh. you know like they would say yeah. these things and yeah you're like yeah that's right yeah <laughs> you know? it's i mean it's 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 intuitively wired within us to eat a certain way you know mm-hmm. we're with the, the whole you know i i i don't understand the processed food debate i don't understand yeah. people not eating meat but then continuing to eat you know the meat alternatives that are processed or or you know avoiding mm-hmm. saturated fat but consuming you know huge amounts of vegetable oil i don't it doesn't make sense to me I think keeping it as simple as possible is the best way to be healthy. And it's, and it's not, I mean, it's affordable too. It's more affordable than consuming, you know, the, the processed stuff that you're going to find when people are trying to avoid what we eat on a daily basis. I think that's a big hang up too. That is a common misunderstanding. People assume Mm -hmm. that it's going to be this massively expensive experience to eat like this. And when you break it down, like per meal, it's actually quite a bit cheaper yeah, you know, for and, sure. And, and and not to the point where you're like still having to like, um, it was a little bit, but is it worth it kind of a thing? Uh-huh. Like it's appreciably <laughs> cheaper in a lot of instances to, to eat like, you know, kind of this one ingredient rule approach, totally. you know, yeah. like it's meat, it's eggs, it's mm-hmm. a thing. Like there's yeah. not things. Exactly. It's it, a you know? simple, single ingredient food. Like there's no, you can, you can pronounce everything in the food. Meat is meat. Yes. Beef is beef, you know, chicken's chicken, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if it is more expensive, I see it as paying for my health up front for sure. Exactly. Like I'm, I am more than willing to pay more for quality food and not have the health issues or not have the problems that you get from eating, you know, a processed diet down the road. It's going to be way more expensive to fix it later on, Agreed. you know, by orders of Absolutely. magnitude. I mean, yeah. The, you know, like we're talking like, you know, medical bills and tens of thousands of dollars type of mm-hmm. stuff versus mm-hmm. a couple bucks on a weekly grocery bill. Exactly. You know? No, I, it, like I said, you know, paying for it up front is definitely way more worth it to me than being stuck on medication or you know, whatever, whatever it may be down the line, whatever 
obviously, you know, there's some things that you can't avoid and some things that diet aren't going to fix. But Mm -hmm. for the most part, my lifestyle is all focused on, you know, staying healthy, being fit and just being, you know, capable Yeah, because that's, that's what's required of me. I just need to continue to be capable. With the, with the account growing and all of that being really kind of a side thing Mm -hmm. for you, do you still have like the coaching itch, like to want to work with people in that degree? Are you just like, no, I'm done. (laughs) I'm done with it. I honestly, I was, I had been done with it for a while. Um, it just, it doesn't, it just doesn't call to me anymore. It called to me at one, at one time and that was great. So I I followed that Mm -hmm. and I followed it until it didn't. And I just, I can't see myself going back. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them and using their service, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. For anyone who hates their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. I was hesitant about having to get a new phone and a new phone number, but with Mint, you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone and your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or for a family, and at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and to get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash waypoint. That is mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. It's funny. There's, it's usually one of two. Like if, mm-hmm. if people leave and it's like, well, I'll always, I'll always coach. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Or it's like, I'm going to be as as much done with this as I yeah. could possibly be. You know for sure. I mean? Yeah. I think it's different for me. Like I still coach, right. I mentor, you know, I have, I still want to mentor like individuals and I still want to coach men, but I don't necessarily need to do that in the weight room. I want to be able to yeah. be, and that's, that's another reason why I kind of still have this, you know, the account running is it's more of like a mentorship coaching thing, you know, saying the hard things that need to be said, um, to somebody who may not want to hear them kind of deal other than, you know, rather than me coaching mm. or rather than me being in a weight gym yelling at somebody. Right. Like it'll be the same thing. That's, that's another reason why, you know, I, I'm, I'm in this, I'm in the fire field is, is, you know, there's a lot of, it takes a special person to want to do this job. And I think for me, I'm blessed to have the overhead that I have, my captain, my chief, and, and they're, they have the same mindset that I do, which is awesome because you can, you know, it, it can be hit or miss. Um, you know, some some of the overhead, you know, they, they'll get stuck in their ways and they get comfortable. And, and that's just what happens. You know, you do your time in the field and then, you know, you get to a certain position high enough up where you can kind of get comfortable and kick your feet up. And that's not the way that, you know, my crews ran. And it's it's very motivating for me. And that's, you know, at, at some point, someday, when I do the same, I'm, it's going to be the same thing for me. And I think that really is important for men 
It's just the continued mentorship and the continued personal and professional growth. And it, it helps to find somebody that is doing the thing that you want to do Absolutely. already, you know, Absolutely. rather than just taking yeah. the first thing that's got, you know, maybe it's good advice, yeah. but you know, it, and it still could be, and still could be applicable. But mm-hmm. like for like sure. even in your example, like he's running your crew, he's the dude doing it, how you mm-hmm. want to do it. Yeah. And that's, that's extremely a motivating, mm-hmm. but also it's good. Like you want to learn from that person. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice having somebody to kind of model what I want to be after. And mm. and the way he does, you know, the way he runs his ship is, is you know, it's, it's awesome. And it's so motivating. And he's so willing to put time into the people who want to put the time in, which is great. That's how I am. That's how I mentor people. That's how I coach people. If, if people show that they're there to work, that they're there to get better, then I have no problem, you know, putting my time and effort into them. And he's the same way. Um, I think it's, I think it's great. I wanted to ask you about, you know, the, the writing piece as a creative outlet is always something that fascinates me as a, as a medium itself, like just mm-hmm. writing in general. Mm-hmm. Cause it's the one that like, I, I mean, I do this where I'm using my voice and I podcast, but I really yeah. love writing you so know? Do I. And, and I love good writers. So and, and so what is it about that, that, you connect. I mean, because you, you talk about wanting it to be anonymous, so you can focus on the way that you write mm-hmm. and have that be the thing. So, like, what is it about that that draws to you? I think the the discrepancy, maybe not discrepancy. I shouldn't say that. I think the difference between speaking and writing for me is, you know, as I'm speaking, you know, I it's obviously it's all real time, right? I'm right. you know I'm saying things and they're being portrayed right now, right here. When I'm writing, I can kind of take a step back. And, and, you know, and put it out there in a way that can be portrayed in, you know, a couple different ways, right? It can reach different audiences. Um, and it kind of just gives me a second to take a deep breath and relax and just kind of allow things to come as they will. Whereas mm-hmm. speaking, it's like, I'll say something and I'm like, oh, you know, I should have said something different or, right. or, oh, I could have added this here. And it's just a little bit more of maybe not stressful, but like a, it's more of a sympathetically driven kind of outlet yeah. for me, whereas writing is, is uh, very, very relaxed, very mellow. Almost therapeutic, um, it seems. Absolutely. Yeah, it's cathartic. Yeah. For, yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, writing is, I think everybody, every man, especially, you know, every man should write. I think, I think that's a, I think it's a big, it's a big thing to be able to write and it's awesome to write well. Yeah. And I'm still trying to get that skill. And I'm, it's a skill that, will take, you know, it takes a lifetime to master and, you know, you can write for years and years and years and still not master. And I think that pursuit's awesome as well. The, the thing that I've heard from several, from several guys that I look up to that are extremely good writers, uh, is the correlation between that and actually reading, like, and, mm-hmm. and reading, reading, like yeah. if you want, if you want to become a better writer, become a better reader. And, and read more and, and read different things, mm-hmm. you know, sure. th- so you can get, I mean, it's just like, it's just like any other pursuit. Like if you want to get better at a thing, you want to s- see it done really well from a bunch of different people Absolutely. and learn like, Hey, this works for them. This works for them. And then kind of piece together your voice and your style within it because, but you have to see the volume of work, you know, in order to, to break those things down. And that's, that was like when I really started doing it more, I mean, I, I said before, ni- and I'm sure you're probably the same, 98% of the stuff that I write will never be read by anybody. 
You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I do, like I said, I do it how you do it where I just need to get stuff out and, and, sure. I'll, and I'll type and I'll write or I'll do whatever, uh, as this, you know, whether it's journaling or whatever, just to get things out of my head yep. on paper, clear some bandwidth in my brain. Right. So I'm able to actually think through things. Uh, but it's become more, more of me wanting to hone that as a skill and in order to do that, like I want to read guys that do it really well, you know. And Absolutely. so you start reading, like old stuff, mm-hmm. and like, like good like, stuff, good stuff, like really yeah. old stuff, like yeah. centuries old stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and it's one of my favorite things because I'll read these things. Like I have a couple of uh, training books. I'll send you a picture of the one one of the ones that I've got Sweet. written uh, written by Stephen Blakey, I think is his name. It's called how to how to stay strong or how to get strong and how to stay so, and it was written in like 1868 or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And like 98 percent of the stuff that's in there is spot on information that I would mm-hmm. give to somebody today. Mm-hmm. But the like his tone and just the way that people speak back then, like people don't talk like that anymore. Mm-hmm. And you can hear like I can hear him speaking in that voice, and I'm like, man, I wish people still talked like this, okay. you know? But like that kind of vernacular and that kind of tone just kind of fades over time. But I want to read all that stuff, the old stuff that has that information that will last centuries or more. Yeah. I think learn from I, that. absolutely with the, with the older things, I think there, there's no jargon, right? It's straight right. to the point. They, they get to the point and they, they keep it simple. Whereas now a lot of individuals like to complicate things. It's all about complicating things. It's all about using big, you know, the big buzzwords that make you sound smart that, you know, the common, you know, the general population or the common person isn't going to understand. I think that's, you know, where we're starting to go wrong Mm. or where we have been going wrong, at least in the strength and conditioning nutrition sphere. People love to overcomplicate things because it it makes them look smart to, you know, common, a common individual. And that's a really funny contradiction in my head too, because I immediately think of when the three guys who wrote the Federalist Papers, right? James Madison, John Jay, and Hamilton, when they all wrote these, these were they were like the two of them, Hamilton and Madison were like in their early twenties, which was is just insane, first of all, that they wrote these things and were that eloquent. But they wrote them in a way that they did it on purpose so that the person that was the highest educated person at the time could read it, but so could the person with the mm-hmm. lowest education mm-hmm. at the time and understand it. And most people at the time had like an eighth grade education. Right. You know, so like they wrote this so 13 and 14 year olds could read this and understand it well. And you read those things and you're like, there are college kids today who could not understand what these guys are saying. And I'm like, that's what's, and you talk about like getting right to the point, no jargon. They're so clear and makes mm-hmm. so much sense. I mean, it's just, obviously there's, gaps in the vernacular but i mean like to be able to write like that is incredible and talk about losing that as a skill across decades it's a bummer but Mm -hmm. that's i think that's because people stopped reading those things absolutely you know like we get the magazines that are the weekly things and like all that fades out and you are constantly fed the new stuff Mm -hmm. you lose the old Mm-hmm. And we you get the that. abridged versions. We get yes. everything we have is abridged. Everything we have is short blurbs because our attention spans are so low now. Right? We, with social media, with just just having our cell phone on us, we have such a we have you know the whole world of information at our fingertips at all times, and we can read what we want when we want to instead of you know sitting down and actually 
reading and digesting a full, you know, whatever, whatever it is, a full book that, that doesn't, I mean, I know most of my friends don't read, Yeah. you know, they're, they're, they'd rather spend their time on their phones. And that's why I typically don't have social media on my, on, you know, on my phone is because I love to read and I love to have just peace and, mm-hmm. and not having distraction at all times. It's so, it's so much easier for me to pick my phone up and be distracted when I have my apps on it because I'm a human and it's, you know, it's easy for me to fall into that trap. So they designed them well, because that's, yeah, that's what they're Absolutely. made for. Absolutely. That's exactly, it's exactly <laughs> what they're made for. And it definitely, I see myself falling into the trap when I have it. Even now it's, I, I've had the, mm-hmm. I've had the apps back on my phone for, you know, a couple of days and I see myself instead of reading in the mornings, I'll sit on my phone yep. and that's exactly what I don't want. And, yes. And I see myself doing it. It's frustrating to me, but that's why I go back and forth. But you also apps. have the self-awareness to realize that and get rid of it. And a lot of yeah. people don't or, or just the, they don't have the desire to because they exactly. love being sucked into it. Right. Yeah. But because uh, I, I always think it's funny, like I remember you were gone for a very extended period of time recently, like several mm-hmm. months. Mm-hmm. And then you came back and like four days later, you were gone again. I'm like, yeah, like, no, he came back and he was sick and he's like, I'm done. I'm going back. This was dumb it's, seriously, idea. it's how it works. It's it, every every single time I've ever come back to social media. I mean, I really enjoy posting and I enjoy, yeah. you know, giving information to the audience that I've built. It's just, I don't know. I don't have the, I don't have mm-hmm. that passion for it. Yeah. I have the passion for the mentorship and the coaching, but yeah. everything else, I mean, you know, how much of, how much of social media is actually going to be educational? I mean, even on the, the, the page that I run, it's still very, you know, image driven, very, right very sexualized and I'm not clicking on that stuff. That stuff is just popping up and I'm, that's what I'm seeing. And I, you know, I don't want to see that. I don't want to be distracted by that. And and that's what we see mostly. And it's even scarier because that's what kids are seeing too. Yes. It's, it's not, and, it's and not. not even seeing, but that's deliberately, I believe being For sure. pushed to them. Absolutely. And you know, I mean, I know me growing up, I did obviously, I think my generation was the last generation that didn't have the social media and they, you know, yeah. I'm 25, so, I'm 25 years old and okay. we would, you know, we would, I would go outside from the moment I got home from school. I would go get in fights. I'd go get hurt. I'd, you know, go get dirty. And mm-hmm. then I'd come home for dinner. I'd do my homework and then I'd go to sleep. I there was, was no say, social I, media. I assume that was even going to be a little, when you said 25, I thought that was even going to be a little too young because I mean, I remember all that stuff, right? I mean, like, yeah. the, the first, I mean, I remember, going to school when I remember hearing about the iPod and everybody's like, mm-hmm. well, why would, th- I mean, that seems yeah. kind of dumb, right? Like, I mean, it's cool, yeah. but how are you going to use that ever? And then when mm-hmm. all of these things came out, it was, I was in middle school, high school at that so time. Like I had a, you know, my, my first phone I had was a little flip phone that I didn't, yeah. that I didn't get until I was a sophomore in high school. Yeah. And I had a flip phone, and the only reason I had that was because I was dri- I could drive at the time. My dad's like, if you're going to be driving, you're going to need a flip phone so I can call you if you're not home. Yeah. You know, and, like, it was because yep. of that. It wasn't because I was doing anything. Like, I remember, this might be something that you remember, but I, I laugh about it, thinking about where we were once in a while. Like, there was the one, for whatever reason, even on the little flip phones, there was a button that could take you to the internet. And like yeah. you'd, you'd press it on accident and it would be like, holy crap, I have to exit out of this because it's going to charge so much money. Exactly. My dad's oh, phone. Yeah. Like, oh, like yeah. freaking out trying to shut yep. it. Like, don't go I remember to that. <laughs> so, I remember that. Oh my gosh. And so, and then I'm just thinking like all of these, I mean, there are 10 year olds that mm-hmm. have this thing 
Oh yeah, now. you know Absolutely. what I mean? And just the unfettered access to everything at their fingertips. It's, I mean, it's not good for 30 year olds to have that. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's especially not for like kids younger than 18, even, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just a, it's not great. It's not great. And I don't see, I don't know a solution outside of like, throwing them all off a cliff like i I don't have any other solution other than to just like ban them altogether (laughs) totally no i i know and when i you know when i do have children i don't know how i'm going to do it because it's going to be you know Mm -hmm. it's going to be even completely different from now yeah social media and all that stuff i I mean i don't it's it's a weird it's a weird thing to think about and it you know it kind of throws you into an existential crisis when you do think about it but yeah. I'm thankful for my upbringing I'm thankful for the way my parents brought me up and you know them forcing me to go outside and be a child yes. and yeah. and do the things that kids do um, I think Instagram came out when I was a sophomore in high school okay I think and, I was a sophomore in, I might have been a junior sophomore junior in college at that okay. time yeah so yeah it was it was so much different right yeah it was and then even then, people like the go back. It's one of my favorite things. Like people who have had Instagram for a decade, go back and scroll all the way to like their yeah. first post, yeah. and it's all like the hyper filtered yes. sunset oh, yeah. things. And I, was I like, remember this that. was such a pure time of Instagram, <laughs> right? I know. I I remember. I remember actually. Where I was in my you know my best friend at the time, his backyard, and we downloaded it together. And the same thing. We were just. They had the filters that you could use, right? Yep. That you could swipe through and throw them on. And we would just take pictures of random stuff. Yep. Just, it was, you know, no. <laughs> have these it's crazy weird, how things just descriptions yeah. of a caption. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, it was just a totally different experience. And I think that was right, you know, I mean, I remember, I remember when Facebook, when all my friends started getting Facebook. And that was everybody was po- in everybody's post when it would said like your name be like Ross is. And then everybody yeah. would like answer it like a question or something yep. those days. That. It's so to see the power that all of those things have again is it's nuts, and I have a th- I have a three year old and a and a four month old, and the three year old sees it, you know, and and luckily right now like he we don't have like tablets or anything that he's like on, uh, and he he primarily he knows it's a phone he knows we call and we text on it because now he can say those words he's like text grandma or whatever, uh, but he still thinks it's like mostly a camera. Right. Which, like, I'm fine if that's, yeah, like, all your assumption is on it. Like, take yeah. it and take as many pictures as you want. Like, he doesn't yep. know how to do anything else, you yeah. know. But a, a camera know. and a music player. <laughs> that's that's seriously all – that's all they should be. And, and <laughs> yeah. we, we went wrong when we started adding all the, the extra stuff to them. <laughs> exactly. It's – yeah, it's crazy. Social media is wild. Man. The uh, – as far as your – as far as the writing mm-hmm. – um, do you have and and really this is more of a I guess it's more of a reading question because I, I, I read how you write and I'm curious who you like to read uh, or what things you enjoy that you think maybe have like influenced how you write the most if there is any you know I, I love reading I've always read I've always been a reader that was another thing that was instilled into me from a young age was reading my mom would read to me and then she you know she gave me the ability to read and they taught me to read at a young age and I was always reading books. So I think that definitely has played a, a big role in my writing. And obviously I don't, I don't consider myself a good writer by any means. I just, I just write what comes to my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but and, as someone who you know, practices that as a skill, like you're obviously drawing from yeah, things that abs- you've read absolutely. and experienced. Yeah. 
for sure. I have, I mean, influences, um, I definitely have my influences, but it just, it's being able to tell a story, right? It's being able, and that was number one for me. It was just not complicating it and just being able to tell a simple story that, that will, you know, who, if it, if it, if it affects one person, great. You know, if mm-hmm. it affects a hundred people, awesome. Just being able to tell a story that kind of provides a lesson or something that could possibly help somebody. But, you know, I, I, I read a lot of stories. I read a lot of fiction, uh, because school, I was reading a lot of nonfiction, a lot of just, yeah. you know, very, very straight to the point books about, you know, with just giving me just tons of information at all times. I still read nonfiction, but it's more, um, so I'm reading like, I'm reading Extreme Ownership right now by mm. Jocko Willink. Yep. Um, and then you can see, you can see kind of who I'm reading reflected in my work. So whoever yeah. I'm reading at the time is kind of reflect, or it's kind of influencing who or how I'm posting. Yep. Um, but most of the time it's, it's nonfiction stuff or fiction, excuse me, fiction stuff. I just like, I like good stories. That's uh, that's one of the things that I think is so cool when you go back in time, maybe they did it on purpose, maybe they didn't, but how there tends to be like these elements of good stories that are present in across centuries Right. Like you can find like there's this part of the story. There's this part of the story. I mean, there's all these things that all the great ones have this yeah. not template, but like they understand how to they understand the structure of it. It's not just like free willing and and stream of consciousness stuff and mm-hmm. something nice happens at the end mm-hmm. of it. Right. Like mm-hmm. they're still do, t- using it as a craft. Yeah. Like you have to u- use it as a skill that you develop. It's not Absolutely. just about, you know throwing whatever on a page and maybe you yeah. can just write dialogue well but there is a structure to this which i think is 100%. really interesting yeah i agree and i think like we said that's a skill that's being lost because it's so easy it's maybe not easy i don't know and and i think it all comes it all comes back to to um our attention spans and being able yeah. to attri- being able to give enough attention to something to finish it and to you know to see it through whether that's reading a book or, you know, writing a simple post like I have. Um, I try to keep it simple now, but I think my writing when I first started was way better than it is now for sure. Why do you I think, think that was, is? I think, I think it's because I was more passionate about, <laughs> more passionate about, you know, yeah. the, what I was doing. I'm still passionate about it, but it's just, it's easier for me to just get the message across in, you know, in less writing now. And I think that, I think, that's also playing into how people are wired now as well. It's easier, you know, it's going to be, it's going to reach more people if it's, you know, a paragraph. Whereas, you know, when I was writing, you know, seven paragraphs before it's, yeah. people are going to read the first one. They're going to go, oh, whatever. Okay. But I think that's an interesting thing with writing that is maybe different in the, in the attention span thing, because I've always been of the mind that you don't really understand something well enough unless you can, speak to it very concisely yeah. you know like it's the the napkin rule or whatever like you can't mm-hmm. you, you don't really understand so i think it, it might have been was it einstein and it was somebody scientist who said like you don't really understand this concept unless you can explain it to me on a bar napkin totally you know like and so there's something to like being able to still get this huge point across in yeah. in 80 percent less words yeah that's a skill too absolutely yeah. That's totally a skill, and I and I think coaching and being a strength coach, and that's also another thing that I've had to do, right? Because I, you know, like I said, I coached, I coached children to professional athletes and anybody in between, and 
obviously the coaching styles are going to be different between children and, you know, somebody who's been doing this for their whole life. So I've, I had to kind of adjust and adapt my coaching to them and, and explain it. And I explained it the same from children to professional athletes. I explained it as if they were children, even to the professional athletes. And, mm-hmm. and that's how I learned the best. Even if I had expertise in the subject matter that I was being taught, my favorite professors were the ones that dumbed it down to the kindergarten level for me and mm-hmm. taught me like I was a kindergartner. There's some, uh, I'm trying to think there's a, I can't remember who wrote it. I'm really bad at remembering names today. I'm usually not. <laughs> it's a, it's literally a, like a marketing tactic, mm-hmm. right? Like to reach the most people, you have to like speak to the most common level of language. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And unfortunately that keeps going down now. Mm-hmm. I mean, like recently that level keeps decreasing. Yeah. So, which is why you see language kind of getting dumber to put it in a word right absolutely <laughs> like we're talking, that is the I, word i gave the federalist papers example people were 14 year olds were a lot smarter 250 years ago than 14 year olds are now yeah. you know and so but and so you see that reflected in the in the messaging but that's the reason that that worked back then and what works now works now is like that's the common level of understanding and people who have these mass market appeals they yeah. understand that and they can say like we got we got to talk to them like they're dumb thirteen year olds because mm-hmm. most people are yeah <laughs> honestly yeah more most people stop developing <laughs> mentally right at whatever thirteen and uh, I know I know I it, it kind of it it's it's sad to see that it's sad to see people that just get stuck and yeah. you know and they don't have the desire to to get better they don't have the desire to learn new skills they don't read they don't write they just sit on their phones or they. Or they wake up in this, you know, they do the same thing every day. They wake up, they check their phone. Okay, I go, I give myself 30 minutes to get ready for work. I go to work, I do it. I work a job I hate. I'm rushed, I'm stressed the whole time. I get home, I eat fake food, I go to sleep and do it all over again. It's just, for to me, I couldn't imagine something that would suck the life out of me more. Couldn't, I just, it's, it sounds like a nightmare. And yeah. that's that was the one thing that I knew for a fact as, you know, as far as I can remember that I would not do. I remember telling my mom when I was, you know, in elementary school, like I will never work in an office. And I didn't even know, I didn't even know, you know, know why I didn't have, (laughs) I didn't have the, I didn't have the experience. Obviously I just, I was like, I, I can't work in an office. I can't work under artificial light staring at a computer all day. I can't do that. I need to be outside doing something that's active and, you know, and it keeps me, keeps me, occupied and fulfilled and you definitely seem to have found like the extreme yeah. version of that <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, absolutely. like i can't imagine a more version of that than what yeah. you currently do <laughs> for sure and i tend that's what happens with me i tend to do things to the extreme if it's not, if it's worth doing for me yeah it's worth doing 110 percent, and i typically do that and i definitely have met my match with what i'm currently <laughs> doing which is awesome that is awesome and and again it, it, for people that listen to this it you know the power of compounding habits like is is really the the key to like getting out of these situations like you described where you're in maybe a crappy job where you're inactive you eat crappy food like it doesn't have to be like we said earlier this massive 180 degree change on day one like you can start with like one thing and like don't touch your phone for 30 minutes in the morning and go out and Mm -hmm. be in the sun when it rises instead and notice how different that makes your day if you do that instead of having the blue light be the first thing that hits your eyes like yeah or go for a walk or just go for a walk like if it's that if it's that simple yeah 
you can make these small incremental things and lead to Agreed. like compound. Yeah. The compound effect is undeniably true in that regard. Absolutely. And it goes both ways. The compound effect yes. happens right with the, you know, with when you're not doing those things and it gets harder to do those things. And then when you are doing those, the things that you should, that you know, you should be doing, mm. it gets easier to continue that discipline and continue to, you know, expand on that. So I think, I think the compound in like, like we said, it, it can be as simple as, okay, on your lunch break, Hey, go outside, take a couple deep breaths of air, maybe take, take a hundred steps, walk around the building. That's better than just, you know, that's better than nothing. Yeah. And that'll continue to build and you're going to continue. And now you're going to, now you're going to crave that fresh air at lunch. Now you're going to crave to get out of that artificial light. Now you're going to crave being outside in the sun because that just feel, it feels right. I, you know, being stuck inside all day has never felt right to me. And I know it doesn't to, I know it's not innately wired in anybody to want to be stuck inside right. and stare at a computer underneath it, artificial light. It's funny because you, like we we're talking so much about a lot of this being so intuitive Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are very detached from that oh, yeah. feeling because Absolutely. they're numb literally from what they're putting in their body yeah. to how they're living in lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But something as simple as having one of an experience like that, right? Like that might be enough of, to kind of awaken like, you're right. You know, that actually, that felt like I should be doing that more, yeah. you know, like yeah. that little thing could have just been that little spark. Cause it's buried way deep down in, in your psyche and in your bones that you know a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Like this whole, you know, I, the whole I made it up thing is hilarious, but it's true. <laughs> it's true. Like, you know, yeah. like you know <laughs> that deep down you're supposed to be doing certain things and we, you know, convince ourselves or lie to ourselves long enough that we get away from them. But yeah. as soon as you do one or two of those things, you're like, yeah. This, this is right. You know, this is yeah. what I need to be doing. Absolutely. I think, yeah. And, you know, tell me how you feel when you go hunt. Or tell me how you feel when you're outside in the morning looking at the sunlight. Mm-hmm. It, it's a completely different feeling. You, especially as a man, and, you know, that's been kind of my focus is, you know, getting back to that primal wiring that we have within us. Uh, primal is now, I mean, it's a buzzword now, so I probably can't say that, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's copyrighted. <laughs> it's copyrighted. Yeah, I mean, people are going to come after me now. But it's true. Yeah, it's you know, and it's and it's simple. And and doing the things that you should be doing are simple. And they and most of the time they don't cost anything. Right. Most of the time, your excuse it's it, you know excuse shouldn't be that it costs anything because literally it's as simple as going outside, taking a deep breath of air, and looking at the sun, or planting your feet in grass. I mean. Or, or getting a, or going and sweating, yeah, getting your heart rate up, like doing something that, that isn't sitting down all day. That's a pretty killer place to wrap it up, I think, because ending on the actionable advice. <laughs> so, uh, dude, thanks for making time, man. It was a blast yeah. to talk. I'm glad we were finally able to do it. I'll just, I guess, you know, periodically catch you whenever you decide to mosey on back <laughs> to, to Instagram. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thanks for making the time, man. I had a blast. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Thank you so much.